You're listening to the Nomcast, a proud member of Forgotten Entertainment. Hello, and welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web at NomcastPod.com. All right, last year, Netflix released their original movie, Sizzle Reel, and it screamed big-time action. Red Notice, Army of the Dead, they headlined what ended up being about a dozen or so action movies that we previewed and reviewed over the course of the year. So, of course, Netflix drops their sizzle reel for this year a few weeks back. And while it may not have The Rock or Gal Gadot, it still had plenty of stars kicking ass and taking giant paychecks. So, on today's episode, we will give you our top five most anticipated Netflix action films of the year. Plus, we will give you our review of the historical Arctic survival film Against the Ice, Starring Game of Thrones star Nikolaj Kosterwaldo. We will do all this with return guest and longtime polar bear boxing champion Shane Beauregard of Media Mosh. How are you, sir? Good to see you. I am doing great. Good to see you. It's my favorite night of the week every time I'm on the Nomcast podcast and I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, we're right in your wheelhouse, buddy. We did this same episode last year. Uh, we were talking about that where it's like, you know, it was, like I said, screamed action. We had this big sizzle reel. You got The Rock. You got Ryan Reynolds. You got all this stuff. And you're like, woo, baby, Jean-Claude Van Damme, what the hell's going on here? Um, and so, you know, we previewed like seven movies back then. We also reviewed another. It was kind of a big deal. And then like the year happened. <laughs> And I don't know about you, but obviously, you know, we did our top five of the year. And I think we maybe mentioned like one, maybe two, you know, depending on what you consider action in that episode, even with honorable mentions. <laughs> so how would you characterize it after we kind of went through that whole rigmarole? And now what what do you what did you think of last year after we kind of previewed the whole year back then? Oh, a letdown? To say the least, it was a sure. letdown. Um, you know, you have Gail Gadot and, and Ryan Reynolds in The Rock, and, and you come up with a meh kind of movie. Yeah. Disappointing. Army of the Dead, we discussed that. Like Kate was in my honorable mentions. I thought that was decent. Gunpowder right. Milkshake was my favorite, but I don't think we really touched on that at the time. Uh, Harder They Fall, to, I mean, pretty much a Western, but it does have enough action in it. If you want to, like, carry it over into that genre, you can. That was in my top five. Yeah. Other than that, man, like it disappointed. It was one disappointment after the other. I think meh is like the best word to describe <laughs> last year's action fest. Absolutely. I, I agree. And you're right. I mean, Gunpowder Milkshake was like the crown jewel, but they acquired it later on in the year. And I was like, wow, they just keep acquiring <laughs> more stuff. Like how many action movies they're going to have in one year? Um, of course, we also previewed one back then that is going to sneak into the this year's conversation with escape from spiderhead now with a uh, new title we'll get to that one in a moment so like i sent over the list to you of uh, the netflix action films of 2022 and i kind of highlighted you know some of the ones we're going to talk about but what did you think about this year's list in general like what stood out to you like what is kind of the theme in your head that, you know i I looked over the whole list. I watched as many trailers as I could. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic about mm -hmm. this year, only because I feel like they are starting to rely on actors that I like and will watch their movies. Like Jamie Foxx is in two movies next year. Uh, Jason Momoa is popping up more and more. Ryan Reynolds, of course, has become a Netflix staple. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I do like the stars they're using for these films. I got a feeling there's going to be a couple of good sneaky ones in here that aren't in our top five that are going to kind of surprise us. I'm looking at a couple of the foreign films myself. Yeah. Uh, that might, again, might surprise us. So I'm cautiously optimistic, but based off last year, I was kind of pumped. Last, we both were kind of pumped last year. 
So I, I got my bar set like mid-level for me. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix, that's the Netflix level uh, that I'm aware of. <laughs> uh, you and I cover enough that we should know better than to uh, get too early on the hype train. Um, there are ones here that I, I, I will literally like, I think, cry if they're if they're bad. So we'll, we'll go over them. And like I said up top, we're going to do a top five most anticipated action films for 2022. But I kind of wanted to set some of the ground rules before we get to the top five. Um, today, we're going to, like I said, talk about Against the Ice. We're going to do the review at the end of this episode. So that one doesn't count towards the top five. Uh, the Adam Project, which they are promoting like crazy with Ryan Reynolds, Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Garner. That one we're going to cover next week in full with the review, I'm actually going to see, I don't know if people have it in their local area. We mentioned on the podcast before, but a live in like in theaters with a live Q and a with Ryan Reynolds via satellite after the movie, uh, which they did, uh, for scream, uh, around the country too. So I don't know if it's just a Cinemark thing or whether it actually happens everywhere, but very cool that my local theater is doing that. So I'm going to go check that out and then we'll talk about it on next week's episode. So those two are out, but obviously, hopefully that means we're off to a good start. Uh, we'll get into detail on that soon enough. But one thing that I noticed, you mentioned like, yeah, certain stars are repeating here. Um, they're also doubling down on the uh, female-led actioners. We'll, we'll talk about that as it goes. There's some, you know, obviously uh, returning franchise stuff with uh, Enola Holmes and things like that. But the one thing that I was really cranked for was... Uh, the return of South Korea in my life because, you know, they are going crazy now because of Squid Game. But you and I, we're the OGs of this stuff where we're like, yeah, we did a whole episode on The Night Comes for Us. And, and of course, Time to Hunt, right? That's, that's the one we love so much, too. So back in the fold is, you know, Southeast Asia, you know, in our lives with having all these excellent action movies uh, to look at. And I think we'll highlight a few, but man, it's incredible. Uh, some of the ones that they got coming out. And again, movies that don't count for this list. I want to do this before we get to the top fives, but you and I have some real catnip that might drop this year. Um, two movies that are unconfirmed for 2022, but might be possible uh, based on how much they've shot and if they might squeeze it in. The big four. Uh, which is from the director of May the Devil Take You and The Night Comes For Us, tells the story of an elite assassin that is targeted by murderous gangsters after sparing a girl's life during a massacre. Now, does that sound like the exact plot line of The Night Comes For Us? Yes, it does. <laughs> but am I still psyched, Shane? I absolutely am. And you should be. In fact, I was thinking it should be called The Night Comes For Us 2. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? You know, and maybe it does have to do something with it. I, I I didn't get to look too much into it past that point, but yeah, the big four, man. I I am I am all the way in. And then the other one, uh, kind of lives in that same circle because Gareth Evans, who you know was you know the the man with the raid movies, you know, ends up coming up with another one where he's doing you know with more American stars. So we'll see what the action looks like with it. But Tom Hardy. Forrest Whitaker, Timothy Oliphant, fresh off the Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett stuff, and Luis Guzman doing a movie about uh, an after a drug deal goes awry, a detective must fight his way through a criminal underworld to rescue a politician's estranged son while untangling his city's dark web of conspiracy and corruption. Hook it into my veins, Shane. This is this is right down our alley. Oh, absolutely. The director, like you said, top-notch action. You had, well, first of all, you had me at Tom Hardy. Yeah, Everyone sure. who listens to me knows, no shame in my game. I love that man. I love that man and whatever he's in. Timothy Oliphant, icing on the cake for me. And I don't mean to, like, downplay Louis Guzman, Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> yeah. But, like, the Timothy Oliphant, Tom Hardy, oh, just, just sign me up. Yeah, I know this is not a visual medium, but Shane's Capone tattoo is uh, just shining right in front of me right now. <laughs> You should see the Raylan Givens one I have. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm super pumped too. The fact that a lot of these people haven't been on Netflix and, and you get that kind of pedigree, I am psyched for whenever that comes out. 
But like I said, those are right now kind of unconfirmed, loosely might fit into the 2022 schedule. But yeah, I'm rooting for it. I'm hoping to see it by end of year. But, you know, let's get into kind of what is confirmed for the year and maybe to uh, the top five. These are in no particular order, uh, but I would say you and I probably have a consensus number one. Yeah, if I know you, I because it's my most anticipated film of the year for the Netflix action slate. Yeah, we'll, then, we're, then we're on the same page. So maybe we'll save that one to the end. But other than that, uh, no particular order. We'll start with uh, one that I've already brought up. How about that, Shane? Spiderhead, the newly retitled Spiderhead after last year, we you know, previewed Escape to Spiderhead, or Escape from Spiderhead, excuse me, with director Joseph Kaczynski, uh, starring Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, and Journey Smollett. Uh, it's a movie about, uh, it's actually, I believe, from a New Yorker article, which is bizarre, uh, Escape from Spiderhead by George Saunders, yeah. Um, this movie's set in the near future, where two young convicts grapple with their past in a facility run by a brilliant visionary who experiments on inmates with emotion-altering drugs. Shane? I know we talked about this last year. Has anything changed for you now that you've seen more footage from that sizzle reel or anything else? You know, like, are you scared now that we've waited this long? Usually when a movie gets pushed back a little bit, it, it usually doesn't work in its favor over Correct. the course of, of, of history. But the other thing that kind of scares me is, is based on a, a, an article from The New Yorker. But, sure. but I'm holding true. Uh, to, it was in my top five last year, as you know, but with Chris Hemsworth and especially Miles Teller, who I think is a very underrated actor, I kind of have faith in, in that combination that it's going to at least be more than entertaining. Yeah. I'm not, again, I don't have the bar set up high for this one because the footage looked similar to what they showed last year. I didn't yeah. really see any new outside of Chris Hemsworth talking to me personally. You know, <laughs> nothing really new came up in it, uh -huh. but I'm, I still have it in my top five like you. Like, I, you know, I'm waiting for it. Yeah, my I'm I'm being cautiously optimistic as you where I kind of between the pandemic stuff and the fact that, you know, I also haven't seen anything about Extraction 2 being confirmed for this year even though they did the big to dome uh event announcement for that one that it was shooting and it is shooting. It might even be done shooting. I like I know they're kind of in that uh, area where they were bouncing around they were supposed to either shoot in Australia or New Zealand or something then they had to move to somewhere in uh, the middle of Europe I believe so it's all over the map with that one I don't know if that's one, that one's going to come out and maybe they held Spiderhead because they want to kind of space these things out but keep Hemsworth on the platform you know maybe it made more sense to have this one kind of be like summer of this year and then maybe we get extraction maybe late winter, early spring, like where the first extraction came out, I think, in like a March date or something like that. So yeah. I'm hoping that's right. But, yeah, I haven't even seen Miles Teller in anything in between uh, these type of movies either because I think he's also in the pushback, pushback, pushback uh, Top Gun Maverick, if I'm yes, not mistaken. very pushback. Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, Hemsworth, you know, he's got to wait for, you know, Thor Love and Thunder, which that's the other thing, too. I don't know if they wanted to hold it to be, like, catching off the vibes of that one or seeing when the release date of that one, because that also got pushed back. You know, so maybe they're just playing schedule games more than they're worried about the movie itself. That's my pie-eyed, you know, uh, vision of everything. It makes sense in my head. But it doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> well, you made it make sense in my head now, too. So I'm going with that. Yeah. Hey, and they dropped the escape. It's just Spiderhead. So for all the Spiderheads out there just waiting for this movie, we're in the same camp. So that's definitely on the, the most anticipated one. Uh, next one, we'll go with The Mother. Um, this one is part of uh, a very confusing double bill here, Shane, with The Mother and The Mothership both coming out in the same year both with female-led kind of actioner movies here and they both have amari hardwick in them <laughs> so it's really really weird that these have so much of a crossover um but the mother 
from director Nikki Caro, uh, starring Jennifer Lopez, Joseph Fiennes, and the previously mentioned Amari Hardwick. Uh, this is about a deadly female assassin who comes out of hiding to protect the daughter that she gave up years before while on the run from dangerous men. Shane, are you excited to see Jennifer Lopez kind of be a front and center action star these days? Not really. Uh, <laughs> I, I like the footage from what I've seen of this movie, but I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest Lopez fan. Uh, in fact, my favorite she was in was Out of Sight. And how long ago was that? Because I haven't really seen her in a whole bunch of like action-y kind of movies. I mean... So I think she could pull it off because she has the physicality, you yeah. know. Uh, so I do have hope for this movie. I'm not the biggest fan of Jennifer Lopez, but, you know, I'm holding out hope again for this one. But you had me if any any movie that has female assassins that starts your synopsis off. I'm going to give it a watch. Like, I'm going to give it a go. 100%. And I think, you know, it's not a like you said. Jennifer Lopez has the physicality that I think she can pull something like this off because not to be insulting, there are other female-led assassin movies lately that I think have stronger overall actresses in them. But, you know, this one, it, the nice part is that maybe she doesn't have to act and, and can use some of that physicality more and drive the film in that regard versus being like this heavy maybe dramas or stuff that she hasn't been that great. Like Hustlers was great. Like she, it's not a huge role. It was just enough that, you know, she ended up kind of in that award season conversation. It's a good movie. It's a good way to come back for her. Uh, and then Marry Me, I can, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not probably going to watch. I've heard mixed reviews. So, you know, we'll see. But if I ever get to, I love Owen Wilson, but that's just, you know, not in my wheelhouse exactly. But, yeah, I, I, it's ironic, again, that the, the other movie, The Mother Ship, this sci-fi adventure thing, is Halle Berry, who just started kind of trying to do the action thing herself, you know, coming off of Bruised and everything else. So maybe Jennifer Lopez is kind of stealing part of the playbook with that one, and maybe it'll be more intriguing on here. Right. I, 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 yeah, I agree with everything you said. But it is confusing when you type in The Mother, because, you know, you have I Am Mother, The Mother, Mother. There's so many movies. I know, <laughs> mother in it, but yeah, I yeah, we'll we'll see. And like Holly Berry, I do like how they they're bringing her into the fold for Netflix because I do enjoy Holly Berry, uh, not only as an actress, but she can carry off a lot of the physical stuff. I thought her in that fighting role, she she actually did a really good job. So you know, we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. They're all kind of you know taking a page out of someone like Charlize Theron before them and. You know, uh, even obviously Kate Beckinsale has has done that, too. And, you know, a lot of these uh, movies are, are coming out of the woodwork. Like we mentioned last year, there was, what, three on Netflix alone for female-led action movies or something yeah, like Kate, that? Yeah, Kate, the same premise, protecting a girl and, you know, yeah. all that. Yeah. Yeah, and then Gunpowder Milkshake, same thing. And, you know, so, yeah, uh, they, they work out well. And then, obviously, Old Guard before that. So, you know. Hopefully, same type of success going forward. Uh, the next one is one that we previewed at one point when I uh, heard that they uh, got the rights for this movie, Monkey Man, um, which is starring, producing, and directing uh, chairs for Dev Patel, who is, you know, coming off a hot year with The Green Knight. A lot of people like that movie. I am not one of them, but he wasn't bad in it. Um, so I can't really kill it. Beautiful cinematography, but the, the story is bananas. Um, <laughs> this movie, however, you know, is maybe a little more optimistic because when I heard that they acquired this film, the, the kind of the teaser, the, the, the line that they were thrown around was John Wick of India. So this movie is about an unlikely hero who emerges from prison to take on a world enmeshed in corporate greed and eroding spiritual values, seeking revenge from those who took everything from him many years ago. So, like I said, Dev Patel doesn't have a big action resume, uh, much like some of the other people we just discussed, but, you know, uh, they're given a, uh, an emerging star, a director role, and starring, and you toss around things like John Wick. I think as long as, you know, maybe they have 
the right stunt coordinators and things of that nature that this movie can pop. Yeah, I agree. I like Patel myself. I, 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 I'm with you. I could not stand oh that that Green Knight movie, and uh, you know <laughs> yeah. it's just terrible. Yeah, it's bizarre. I, I do like the premise, and you know throwing on John Wick uh, in in India. But if Patel is the star, I see I see it more as like a Mister Nobody maybe because <laughs> he's very unassuming. Sure, you know as opposed to. Keanu Reeves, who looks like he could actually, you know, do some damage to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess it's the whole, like, long hair, been wronged before, and then coming for revenge plot, you know, that right. kind of lines it up. But I hear you. So we'll, we'll see. I, I like Patel's potential, like you said. And let's see what he can do as a director. So, you know, I like the fact that Netflix has given all these, you know, some of these actresses and actors a chance to, be, you know, put their film out there, give themselves a, a time uh for them to put their first feature film out there. Yeah. They always take big chances and you know, they give them reasonable budgets and and they don't really just kind of leave them out to dry. You know, they'll let them make mistakes and kind of you'll work their way through it. You know, they're not a big notes uh, company from what I hear, big notes studio, but you know, hopefully they could churn out some better stuff. Like we said, uh, you know, the stuff we previewed last year, woof some major sinkers in there. So I'm sure I'm going to be disappointed at some point. Is it because, you know, I'm going to say, well, this is his first directorial debut, you know, that whole thing. Am I going to toss out a lot of those? Maybe, but I'm optimistic. A lot of good stuff to, to chew on for this one. The next one is part of that kind of theme that I was pitching to you before, where it's like Southeast Asia action movies are back in a big way. Uh, as far as Netflix is concerned this year. And this one, the thing that sticks out immediately is this one is called Young E, I believe, is how it's pronounced. I could be wrong. It's J-U-N-G with an underscore E. I don't know why the underscore. They'll explain it at some point. I believe it's kind of uh, something about the desolated earth in the 22nd century, but we'll get there. What I want to start with is the words... Train to Busan, Peninsula, and Hellbound, because it's all the same director coming to you, bring uh, another big time cast, portraying a unique theme combined with, you know, all those fun buzzwords, dystopia, cloning, you know, modern tech. Um, plot around this one is, like I said, desolated earth in the 22nd century that is no longer inhabitable due to climate change. Stop me if you heard that one before. Amid the chaos, an internal war breaks out in the shelter built for human survival. Victory, meaning the end of the war, now hinges on finding a way to clone the legendary mercenary Zheng Yi. Okay, that's where it is. Into a scalable robot. <laughs> it's It sounds bananas, but I am giving a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. Train to Busan was a huge thing, enough that he got a sequel in Peninsula. Hellbound, you know, was a big hit for Netflix as well. So I'm trying to to put my optimistic lens and on the pedigree of this man. And even though it sounds crazy, and there's a lot of buzzwords that make me cringe, I'm still very much on board. What do you think, Shane? I think it's going to be, like you said, I don't think it sounds bananas. I think it's going to be bananas. I just think it's going to be one of those balls to the wall, just nothing but like action almost, you know, off the bat. Um, It does have a lot of those. There's a lot of, there's one theme that runs a lot in these movies these days. And that's post-apocalyptic or. Yeah. Yeah. Some, you know, the world's going awry. I think I saw that in four or five of these things and it's like, okay. But like you said, I think the biggest thing for me, because I've done this with other movies, and someone will see the trailer and be like, ah, that looks all right. I'll go to look to see who's attached to the film and who's directing. And if it's someone who's had a string of hits, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. So I think that's where I fall in line with this movie, uh, because I did really like Train to Busan. I really like Peninsula. He has like several hits in a row. It's like, okay, he knows what he's doing. I'm going to like just give him a chance. Like I'm going to watch it based on his filmography and what he's put out so far. So based on that, I think it's going to be a nutso fun, <laughs> crazy, weird movie. Yeah. I mean, outside of the whole, you know, cloning a mercenary into a scale, a giant scalable robot. Um, 
Does this give you kind of Elysium vibes? Like that Matt Damon movie where he kind of, you know, had to come from, you know, underneath and kind of go after these people who are controlling a post-apocalyptic earth and, you know, it's kind of like separated into a civil war of sorts between the rich and the poor and, you know, has all that. So, I don't know. It kind of feels like it has some yeah, it does. Has those vibes. Right. Has has those vibes to me. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I totally forgot about that movie. But yeah, I can definitely see that. And I can definitely see the class system of people, you know, breaking out, like I said, in this kind of civil war or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I just think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh <laughs> normally this would this would be a movie I would probably pop a couple drinks to. Yeah. Uh, I make the experience a little better, but I think I'm gonna hold off. I think I'll see this one sober. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's no fun. Why would we do that? <laughs> Most of these movies are going to be good with a couple of beers and just let it rip. You know, that's the whole point of these, you know, big time action thrillers, you know? Right. Unless you're last mercenary, then no amount of alcohol would ever help with that movie. No. Especially, I didn't realize that one was going to be as comedic or trying to be comedic as it was. Woo boy. Yeah, that that didn't sit well. And the same thing with Thunder Force. Uh, that there's no amount of alcohol that could have made that movie entertaining whatsoever. Brutal, brutal movie that I didn't even. I don't think we covered it here. Besides me going, hey, we are gonna cover it. No, thank you. Uh, that was about as far as I got because I was like, ah, uh, it's not gonna go well. So yikes. Um, but to me. Like I said, that is one of the the big time kind of like Southeast Asian action movies. Like we mentioned, that other uh, the big four, the one coming from the guy who did uh, the Night Comes for Us. You know that one could be happening. Um, there's Yaksha Ruthless Operations, uh, which is you know a human devouring spirit <laughs> that's named after with a ruthless leader. You know of an overseas black ops team takes up a dangerous mission in a city riddled with spies. That seems interesting. It's a Korean film. Um, Soul Vibe. I mentioned this, I think, on the Casey Moore episode that we had. An action blockbuster that is uh, about a talented crew of baby drivers. So you're going to have this kind of like nutso, you know, uh, I think stuff mixed with Something about it's like set in the 80s and it's around the uh, Seoul Olympic Games where they're just doing like illegal transactions and, and you know, running all over the city in these um, epic car chases. Um, so that one's going to be insane. Oh, yeah. And Carter, uh, which is Agent Carter, who suffers memory loss, is thrown into an explosive mission filled with inexplicable mysteries done by... Renowned action film director Young Byung Gil. So I don't, I didn't look to see what he had done previously. Uh, They're also saying that Juwan is a big time star as well. So I'm sure they're big in those areas, but you know, I don't know. They all sound crazy and I'm probably going to love them because mostly the that South Korean cinema, when they do action, they do it really well. Right. I mean, we do, we discussed earlier, like both those films we talked about, even their shows. I think their shows are top notch uh, on Netflix. Yeah, they're having a huge surge with uh, Squid Game. And what is it? Not is it all of us are dead or all of them are dead or. Yeah, all of us, all of us are going to die or something. Then they had uh, the one that I watched is Call Me By My Name or My Name Is. I think it was called My Name Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm hmm. Great short series uh, oh. with great action in that in that in that series. Yeah, that was the end of last year. So, like you said, anything that's coming out of South Korea, I just pump it straight in my veins because I'm <laughs> going to watch it. Uh, even though, what would you what did you say? You said sorry, Soul Vibe was that it? It kind of sounds like a um, Fast and the Furious meets Italian, uh, Italian job. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I dig it. Yeah, why not? I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, it's like Tokyo Drift all over again. It's, uh, it's as long as they don't crazy. go to space. As long as they don't go to space in this movie. I know. I finally F9's on uh, HBO Max. I'm 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 scared to put it on. <laughs> I really don't know what to do with myself with that one. Um, but let's get to the Crown Jewel, Shane, because the Gray Man, I believe, is the one that we are kind of winking at each other, saying this consensus number one and obviously the sizzle reel pointed to that as well you have the russo brothers fresh off the marvel stuff they also help kind of 
shape and produce Extraction, which was a big hit. The movie stars Ryan Gosling, who I haven't seen in anything like this totally. You know, he's not really, obviously, he's not an action star per se. I think, you know, what are the closest things that maybe he's been in that's action like? The place yeah, the place down the pines? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that one kind of, you can say drive if you want. Sure, yeah, because there's some like heavy violence in there at times, yeah. Right, that's probably the closest he's come, and that's that's the movie that turned me on to Ryan Gosling. That's when I said I'm following this guy wherever he goes. Yeah, and he has not let me down in in any role he's ever had. So yeah, go ahead and carry on with with what you're going to say, and we'll just talk about this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think he's incredible. So I, I'm I'm excited that he's going to be in a Netflix movie, especially that has a lot of things that you know are the same type of hook it right into my veins kind of thing. The movie also stars Chris Evans with an epic mustache that you get to see in that sizzle reel. And also everyone's favorite, Ana de Armas, uh, fresh, off, fresh off the best five, ten minute sequence ever in No Time to Die. I thought she just stole the show uh, in that film. And this movie, like I said, the plot stuff is equally right in, in my wheelhouse. It's when the CIA's most skilled mercenary, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets, a psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. The Gray Man, I I, I hear the, I believe it's based off a book that it did really well. It was like an international bestseller. Uh, so everything about this I love. I loved the footage that I saw. What did you think when you got to see a little bit of it and now kind of seeing the plot develop with this one? Oh, I, I can't even add to anything else you said. I am I am so stoked to see Gosling with Chris Evans. Like you said, not only with the epic mustache, but the epic flat top he had oh, yeah. rocking in that van. Yeah, it looks uh, like a G.I. Got- Joe character. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Dressed to like the ready to go to the office. Um <laughs> Yeah, and, and Anna Dar. Oh, I, we can't. I can't with her. And then you forgot Jessica Henwick, who is carries action really well from the Iron Fist series and the latest Matrix movie. Um, oh, yeah. I forget a couple of the roles she was in, but she she handles herself very well. So I, I was excited to see her name involved in this because I know what she can do action wise. But it's the pairing of Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling to me. Dare I say the Russo brothers make me a little nervous with this film, though? Mm, tell me why. Just a little. Just a little bit outside their Marvel stuff. You know, I know he, they produced, I think they just produced 21 Bridges, but yes, they did. Was majorly disappointed in that film. In the last film they directed, Cherry with Tom Holland was absolutely one of the worst movies I've ever <laughs> seen. Now, I know they're two different types. This is an action spy movie that was a junkie, whatever, drug movie. Yeah. To- totally two different things. But <sighs> let me put it this way. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself if this movie disappoints me. Like, I really don't. That's the one I was saying up top where I was like, if this is bad, I might like just cry into a, like, I'll just become a puddle. I think I'll go to the ABC store and then drown myself in my sorrows for a while. <laughs> I, I I don't think, honestly, in the last three years, I don't think I've been looking forward to a movie more than The Gray Man. Yeah. But unfortunately, that was how I felt about Red Notice before I saw like all all the trailers and everything for Red Notice. I was just like, ah. But at least here's what I what we're gonna pin our hopes on of everything. A the cast is better suited to make a better movie. Like I haven't seen really, if not bad or uninteresting Ryan Gosling movie. The guy picks very good projects, so I'm really more on his level. Chris Evans can come and go. He's even made a Netflix movie before, if everybody remembered the Red Sea Diving Resort, uh, which was fine. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't like, oh, look, wow, Chris Evans, first movie since, you know, uh, outside the Marvel Universe. And that was pre-Knives Out, I believe. Uh, so it was like, wow, what are we getting here? And then it was like, all right, that was fine. Um, so, and Ana de Armas, uh has been in Netflix films before, too. Uh, so with varying degrees, she's always good. So it's going to be very interesting. But what I'm really kind of just lining up in my head is the Russo brothers who 
you know, had Chris Evans in a very good spy thriller in Captain America Winter Soldier, and this has at least the showings, the beginnings of that kind of action uh, in there as well. So, yeah, pinning all the hopes on, on this one for the Gray Man to be a big successful. I, I just don't know when they're going to put it out. I don't know if they're going to put it out in that kind of November spot that Red Notice was or whether this is like we're going to do a summer blockbuster. I, I don't know when they think they're going to get the most eyeballs. My guess is probably more that November spot uh, when more people are home. They're not on vacation. You know, a lot of people are going on vacation this year because we were all trapped for so long. So my guess bring it down into the fall and, and get it right before all the award season madness. See, I think they're going to drop this in September is what my gut's telling me. Ooh. Not. Yeah. If not late, I was thinking late August or early September. Um, Cause they'll drop some nuggets in, in the, that time before, you know, people get back to school and, and people start getting crazy with their lives again. Summer's wrapping up. Right. You know, Netflix in September has dropped some really good, gems and nuggets on us in the past and i you know i like your logic as far as november but i got a feeling they're going to sneak this in 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 september i'd have to see where all the other big time blockbusters are going to shake out you know like is top gun maverick going to hold its schedule is you know where are the marvel movies positioned this year where are they going to get kind of that optimal you know part of the schedule where enough people are going to be around enough people are going to be into it where can they steal a spotlight weekend right because i i do believe the new thor you're talking about marvel real quick i think the thor comes out in december is it uh, that Dr. far Fury. away yeah it comes out in december is there a movie in between because i know thor uh excuse me dr strange is uh may yeah dr strange is may i don't think they have anything else coming out this year besides their shows on plus huh I thought they had one more because is Wakanda uh, forever or the uh, the Marvels, uh, either one of those? No. As far as I know, that uh, Wakanda is 2023 and the Marvels. Uh, I don't know when that's coming out, to be honest with you. OK. Yeah, I have to take a look because I thought they had usually they have three. They had Spider-Man this year. Right. They had, Well, this that's what I'm saying. Like last year they had Black Widow. They had Spider-Man, and they had uh, Shang-Chi and the Eternals. So they actually had four. But now, again, a lot of these got pushed back. So, you know, that was a kooky one. But even still, I think maybe one of those was not probably going to happen in 2021. So I don't know. I have to look it up. But either way, you know, Marvel sets their positions. You know, DC, uh, for anyone who saw the Batman over last weekend, ha- they have Black Adam. They have uh, another Aquaman movie, and then there's The Flash coming out, too. So they're going to probably try to, like, configure somewhere around all that mess. So we'll see exactly where that goes from there. Uh, Did you have any other honorable mentions uh, before we kind of move on with this one, Shane? Real quick, real quick. Uh, One uh, one of the the Jamie Foxx movies coming out, Daybreak. Day um, shift. Or day shift. Sorry, day shift. I'm looking forward to that one because it also stars Dave Franco. I'm just anything with vampires in it. I'm gonna watch it. Yeah. Uh, and I like Jimmy Fox, and he always brings me new movie screen or TV screen. So that is one. The only other one I have on here is uh, Black Crab, which is a Swedish film. Yeah. And I, I like that because I like No Nomi Rapace. I don't know what it is about her. I, most of her movies are entertaining. Yeah, in foreign films, I, I hate to say they kind of do it for me. So yeah, those are the two: Black Crab and Day Shift. Those are the two I would throw out there. Did you watch her last one where she had to like protect that uh, that woman from being assassinated or something in the desert or whatever it was? Do you remember this? It came out like a year or two ago. I do, I do, I do, and I like that one. I mean, I thought it was entertaining. Yeah, she's had several Netflix movies, and I'm not sure I've watched a one so i'll definitely maybe have to bone up I- i'm telling you if if the schedule was just a tad lighter there's a world where you and i are doing a new rapace episode where like an ode to her as like a netflix all-star you know and just kind of like going through all the back titles because i think she has m- many 
Well, she has multiple, and I, I don't know if it's me, because sometimes I overrate actors and actresses. I'll be the first to admit maybe in my head they're bigger stars than they actually are. Sure. Because she's been in some blockbusters, and some of these roles she takes, I'm like, why are you taking this role? <laughs> like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Uh, not to the Bruce Willis level, but, I mean, it's 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 there. She does a lot, and but, again, she draws me in for the most part. So right. I, that's one I'm looking forward to. And uh, And I'll add a few here, too. Like, I'll say – I, I didn't put Anoa Holmes 2 in this five because I don't think it's really an action movie per se. It's more of like a mystery adventure film. So I kind of put that to the side. So I'm excited for it. I liked the first one quite a bit. Love the cast. You know, Millie Bobby Brown, Henry Cavill, uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Really great stuff. And I enjoyed the first one. So I'm I'm looking forward to that for sure. Um, you mentioned Jamie Foxx. They have that movie, uh, They Clone Tyrone, uh, which is with John Boyega making his, I believe, first Netflix movie. Uh, it's him. No? What was the other one? Oh, uh, man. It was an older one that came out in like 2016 where he had that son on the streets of Los Angeles. Mm. And uh, he raised, like, he got his son back and he raised him up. I'll have to look oh. it up real quick. But that was one of his, that was one of the first Netflix movies that, that was did it was a very early netflix original movie as well yeah i have to take a look at that then um but yeah it's boyega jamie fox and tiana paris all in this one uh it's a series of eerie events thrust an unlikely trio onto the trail of a nefarious government conspiracy in what they're calling a pulpy mystery caper so that one seems kind of fun and interesting as well but yeah it's it's definitely got a lot to to be interested in um, a lot of the ones we highlighted, you know, God, they can, it, 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 you're right to say we're kind of caught in between because I don't want to be too optimistic because I've been let down before. You know, we have that, you and I have definitely covered Netflix stuff long enough to be like, yeah, I was so gung ho for this and then just nothing. So, uh, but the early reviews on the Adam project, at least, which we're going to cover next week seems promising. So I'm hoping that that lives up to all of what I hope that one is with uh, Sean Levy at the helm for that one. Anything else, Shane, before we get on to the uh, the the review portion of our, our our show here? A quick note. I looked it up. It was uh, John B. Arger's first Netflix film was Imperial Dreams. A 21-year-old reformed gangster's devotion to his family and his future is put to the test when he is released from prison and returns to his old stomping grounds in Watts, Los Angeles. Yeah, that was a Sundance film from 2014, but they released it on Netflix uh, February 3rd, 2017. Okay, I was so, close. That's why I was like, wait, because right, uh, okay. um, Beast of No Nation, I think, was the first, and that came out in, I want to say, 2016. Okay, I was close. I said 2016, because I, I reviewed it earlier in my career. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you like it? I, I any good? Yeah, it was it was good. I thought he was really good in that film. It was it's definitely worth a watch if you haven't seen it. Now I'm trying to do the math because obviously, you know, if we're talking now five years ago, he's he's probably in the midst of Star Wars then, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was right before he was. Yeah. And then Attack the Block, I think, was a little before that. So yep, you know, yep. They Netflix is really good about just like stashing stuff and hoping, you know, they're like those old VHS you know, that you would find where it's like, wait, who's it? Where's this Jim Carrey movie come from? It looks like it was shot 10 years ago. It's just coming out now. You know, those things always uh, are fun to see pop up. They did that a little bit with um, uh, Monster this past year, where it was like a movie that they acquired at a Sundance like two or three years ago. And it had um, John David Washington in it. So they were like, oh, we'll just pop this up, you know, in the same year that they had two other uh with malcolm and marie and beckett so they're like yep it's john david washington year here on netflix so those are always interesting to see sandwiched together but like i said that is kind of the the most the like the essentials the top five the the ones that we're most anticipating for this year but right now we'll take a quick break and then we'll get back to against the ice which came out over this past week, and we'll get to that right in a second. 
Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment, for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. All right, we're back and we're going to cover Against the Ice, which is this Arctic survival movie that came out back on the second, uh, which is, if you're listening to this now, you're pretty much talking about a week ago. Obviously, the big attraction here is Nikolaj Costa-Waldo, you know, who is Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones. You, I'm sure Shane has also seen something like Shot Caller or, or some other uh, actioner type movies that uh, he has been in before. You also have Joe Cole in here kind of being the the this is mostly a two-hander and joe cole's the other one here he of course from peaky blinders for netflix fans or gangs of london i hear is a very good show and he he's got a prominent role um so those are the two main people you also have charles dance in here so making that kind of game of thrones connection you know tywin lannister daddy's back in the fold um he's also done a bunch for netflix lately he was in the crown you know, he was in Mank, and now he's going to be in the Sandman that's coming out this year, the Neil Gaiman Project, coming out probably, I think, in, in months from now. I think they're really close uh, when I saw the last production update. This movie is based on the novel by the lead character that uh, Casa Waldo plays, uh, and it's basically this story about Greenland back in 1909. Denmark's Alabama expedition led by Captain Elnar Mikkelsen. I don't know if I'm, I am really bad with like the Dutch, like the, that, any of that air. I can't pronounce Swedish names. I can't do any of that. So feel free. You're all going to make fun of me. That's great. Um, it's an expedition uh, that was attempting to disprove the United States' claim to northeastern Greenland, a claim that was rooted in the idea that Greenland was broken up into two different pieces of land. Leaving their crew behind with the ship, Mickelson sleds across the ice with his inexperienced crew member, Ivor Iverson. Wonderful name. Beautiful name. Love that name. Uh, the two men succeed in finding the proof that Greenland is one island, but returning to the ship takes longer and is much harder than expected. Battling extreme hunger, fatigue, and a polar bear attack, they finally arrive to find their ship crushed in the ice and the camp abandoned. This is a movie that uh, I didn't read that big, long uh, synopsis of it. I kind of went into it just being like, okay, this is going to be one of those survive on the mission, battling the elements type movies. And around 30 to 35 minutes in, they find the evidence they need. And it, it really turns to being a much different movie than I expected going in. Shane, did you know anything about it going in? And, and what were your expectations heading into the movie? No, I knew nothing going in. I knew it was, it was, it was going to be a survival movie. I knew it had Jamie Lannister in it, which... I usually watch most of the films anyway. Right. You called out Shot Caller earlier. He was in another Netflix movie called Small Crimes. Yeah. I enjoyed, yeah, I enjoyed that one as well. Um, so I, I enjoy him. I had no expectations. Normally, survival movies, they don't really go too wrong. Like, there's nothing. Because, you, again, you mentioned they're straightforward. You kind of know what you're going to get. Right. So it's kind of what they do within that, that, you know, the straightforward line with the characters and their development, like how this movie is going to play out. Yeah. Yeah. It was a movie. 
<laughs> Come on, I, I've seen your score. I, I think you're a little more I know. optimistic. I think I, my initial gut reaction was I, I think I liked it a little more right after I got done watching it. And then I sat with the ending, like you said, after the first 45 minutes of that movie, I was sitting with it for a while. I'm like, oh, man that uh, those weird dreams and when they started you know cutting the boils off each other and just yeah. <laughs> that horrible polar bear cgi job oh my god yeah what's <laughs> weird so- about that for anyone who's curious it is cgi but it's kind of mocap at least because i know that there's a person in that bear like that they they actually had him like I think he got concussion uh, concussion from that because they actually are fighting. Like he, he, there's a guy in there, there's a stunt guy in there, actually whipping him around in that suit. I had no idea. Yeah, it, it looked, it, it did not look great. And of course, <laughs> when you see scenes like that, you're gonna, your mind's gonna go right to like the revenue. Sure, but <laughs> not even, not even close. <laughs> uh, but I do like the, I do like the premise and I like the mission of this movie and I like the story that it told. So I thought that was a little slightly a little better outcome in the last half sure. of the movie. But again, like when you have this kind of movie, like, like you're going to have to just throw some stuff in there. You know what I mean? Right. Because, man, it got really it almost became a chore to get through the last third of this movie. It, it, it was tough for me to get through this last third of the movie. It's basically it's only about 100 minutes, but. It moves at a glacial yet purposeful pace because as you're seeing it, and as I mentioned before, 30 to 35 minutes in, they get what they need. So you're like, what kind of movie is this? And I think that's when it spins from being a survive on the mission story to more of an unbearable weight of time story, you know, because gosh, I mean, these two guys are really, really doing a great job. I don't know if they had the greatest chemistry, no, but they didn't. I would say that you really felt every ounce of what they were going through because the tone was set that way. And I think the biggest thing for me with this movie is that while it's a worthy survival story, like that part of it itself, I think the payoff for the expedition is hard to wrap your arms around because who the hell cares whether the U.S., you know, like, all that's, like, old, like, like who cares whether the U.S. got a piece of Greenland, you know, in my eyes. And it's like, we're talking about Denmark. You know, they didn't seem to be too preoccupied about it when Charles Dance's character enters into the fray either. So the mission is kind of, like, all in the eyes of Nicholas Coster Waldo's character, you know, just kind of... Being this is an adventurer, this explorer that has this push and drive to do it. And like kind of this something inside him, like this, not professionalism, but like this kind of like ethos that his kind of character, his those type of people have. And then I like that the movie explores like why he would do this when he was having his delusions. That's like, why did it need to be you? Is he too past his prime? Why would he do this? Like Greenland doesn't even care, like, or your go- own government doesn't care about you. Greenland is, you know, very punishing. It's why did you need to do this? And he goes through that, and I think that's some of the best kind of stuff. That self examination, but yeah, that mission, I just don't care. <laughs> like, so there's yeah. no payoff outside of it. You know what I mean? So I like that at least the back half of the movie isn't about the mission. Exactly. It's more just trying to, right. to endure, but it's, it doesn't leave you inspired at all. Like maybe some other survivalist stories. Right. I, and I, I do like, you know, the, the tones of isolation and dealing with not going crazy. Uh, yeah. I, you know, one thing I thought of when I was watching the film was like, there's no way I would have survived out there. For, I would have went bananas. Yeah. Because they were out there for what, eight, 700, 800 days or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah something there, like that. No way. I would have taken a jump into the freaking Arctic Ocean at that point. Right. Because they Um, were gone for, what, months before they got back to the ship? And then the ship, they said they left them about a year's worth of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and you made a good point. I, uh, I just felt there was a disconnect between the two main leads. I didn't see any chemistry there, even when they're isolated in that, in that, in the Alabama together. Right. It, it just felt like an odd combination. And let's be honest with you. I kind of thought to myself, there's no way that they would, I think their government would have left them out there. I don't think they would have sent anyone back to go get them after that long. <laughs> right. <laughs> and by the way, I wrote in my notes, why is there no scene where the men who abandoned them get punched in the face? Because they go back as like these conquering heroes and you never see the other men that like left them behind ever again. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need that scene. We need that scene where it's like, hey, guy, like that almost like awkward around the water. Oh, hey, you're back, huh? Okay, cool. <laughs> like they probably had to work together again. That would have been a better payoff, I think. <laughs> I think so. I, I needed that like extra credit, you know, the end, end credit sequence where we get like, uh, hey, guys. Oh, uh, you're, hey, uh, I see uh, you got that boil remo- uh, boil removed. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just that weird conversation. I would also like, uh, follow me here, Shane, like a series where it's just these guys in the ship, like just more like almost like odd couple scenes, like make it a sitcom where it's like you get a laugh track in there. You got guys just like making stuff up. You're playing that same one song, that same one record over and over. Right. As they're going crazier and crazier. That would have yeah. that would have really paid off. I like I, it. I, yeah, I like that idea. A dark but, comedy uh, sitcom. Right. <laughs> but but in the end, it was, you know, one of the better survival man against nature movies I've seen. And, you know, it wasn't anything like Arctic with Mads Mickelson or it wasn't on that level. But sure. it, it was a very watchable uh, a movie but like i think we said before like i don't need to return to this movie like there's no reason for me to watch this movie again no definitely got the idea you know it's not a part of history that i'm you know jazzed to revisit or examine further so i'm kind of in this i enjoyed it for what it was but i will probably not talk to it to another soul <laughs> besides you maybe uh in some other conversation yeah, is it worth watching? Sure, if you enjoy those type of movies. Yeah, again, not very long. You'll feel the length of it, but it's not that long. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a worthy conversation piece, I guess. If you're into that type of stuff, you're into historical, fictionalized stuff uh, of these accounts. Sure, knock yourself out. Um, I think it also benefits from kind of coming off of a brutal first couple months for Netflix where it's like, oh my God, something like watchable for a hundred minutes. I'll, I'll definitely think it got that uh, kind of reaction from me because you and I were talking like of the, of the letterbox grade of it all. We are like, yeah, like it probably gets a three when you're done watching it three stars but then after you sit with it a little while maybe you watch a better movie sometime like right after you're like nah it's probably a two and a half right and that's exactly what i thought and you make a good point because over the last what are we in march now yeah over the last couple months i haven't watched a lot of netflix movies i've been watching the show side of netflix for the last couple of months yeah which what that's what have been the highlights you're talking ozarks you got vikings valhalla you got uh that pieces of her that yeah. I just ran so they've been rolling on their shows but man like you said it's been a dry couple months as far as their movies go yeah and this one you know because i think we're 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 hitting the head uh on that one where uh the scores have been thus far 6.4 on imdb a 50 meta score 52 percent tomato meter that seems a little low that seems like a jab for some reason uh, 44% audience score is not doing itself any favors either. And a 2.9 on letterbox, which I think is more <laughs> like around that. It could be a tick lower, but I'm not going to argue it. You know, it depends on my, <laughs> on the day, you know, but again, a very watchable movie, um, but not something that I'm going to go screaming from the rooftops about uh, for anything. But as far as like a decent kickoff from, from the, after and during the first couple months and now hopefully with this Adam project uh, and then we're going to catch uh, windfall coming up that looks pretty interesting um, black crab 
you know, will be coming out on the, the 18th that same day. So we got a lot of interesting stuff coming through in March. And now I don't know if you saw that April, now April 1st, we're going to get two big time, uh, big time directors in one day. Did you see this? I did not see this. So the Judd Apatow a movie that he shot in the, during the pandemic called The Bubble um, is coming out on April 1st. And then, that, so that trailer dropped within the past week here. And then they released another trailer today, I believe it was, for uh, Apollo 10 and a half, the new Richard Linklater, uh, and like kind of like, I don't know, motion capture animated kind of a thing that they did. And that comes out on April 1st. So oh, two, okay. two directors of note, two successful award-winning directors uh, putting out stuff at the same time on Netflix. That is a rarity. It is, but it also scares me <laughs> that they they obviously I think they don't have a lot of faith in at least one of them. So that's where I'm a little concerned. I thought especially for animated projects that might, you know, have some maybe academy success because it's Richard Linklater, I thought that was going to get a more like October November release date. But for it to drop April 1st, Either is Netflix desperation or they maybe lost a little confidence. That's all. Let's see. I thought they'd lose more confidence the Judd Apatow project if I had to pick the one. Yeah. And again, that one looks, it's weird. I would suggest watching the trailer if you haven't, Shane, because it's one of those, like, when the trailer first started, you know the premise at all? Uh, not really. So it's basically these, uh, you know... <sighs> It's some kind of franchise IP movie that these stars are shooting and it's during the pandemic. So they're like all trapped in a hotel. They can't go around each other. They can't do anything. It's all protocols locked down. And so it's them trying to shoot this movie while not losing their minds. And like, basically it's all just these quote unquote hijinks ensue, you know, where it's a lot of, you know, comedic actors, you know, improv guys like Keegan-Michael Key um, and uh, Karen Gillan's in there, David Duchovny. So there's a lot of stars in it, uh, a lot of fun people who I like. So I'm hoping that they, they do a good job with it. But, um, yeah, it, it looks like it could be corny as hell, but I'm hoping it's got enough fun to it. And, of course, in typical Judd Apatow style, it's also over two hours for no reason. We had me at David Duchovny, so okay, you know, yeah, I'll give it a watch. My X Files, so okay, you know, I'll give it a watch. But like you said, it's going to be corny. It's going to be you know one of those funny, or I, I can see it being pretentious because I think Judd Apatow is a little pretentious in his films at times. Yeah, uh, at, and again, everything he does is bloated. bloated. Sorry, I don't want to derail your podcast, but it's like every movie has like forty-five minutes too long. Can we just shorten it up a little bit? Yeah. I was like, this movie should be no longer than an hour and 45 minutes. And of course it's like two hours and five minutes. So I'm like, why? This is a goofball movie. What are we doing? So we'll see. Uh, I don't know. But, and again, the Linklater one looks interesting, but it's kind of a bizarre plot um, because it's kind of like his Hollywood or Jesus, his childhood recollections of the, you know, the Apollo mission, um, you know, when he was younger, growing up in Houston. So he kind of, it's kind of like a childhood delusion of thinking he's involved in an Apollo space mission while also being like the recollection, recollection of the time in his childhood in Houston, I believe. So it's, it's, it's wild. So it's a period piece, but it's also kind of like an adventure, you know, childhood kind of adventure delusion thing. So it's, it's it's interesting. I'm not always the biggest fan of Linklater, and especially the ones that he's had uh, previously animated. I also don't inherently love that style as much, but it definitely looks interesting. I, I enjoyed the trailer enough. So, yeah. So, April's starting to shape up now, too. So, hang with us, guys. We got some things coming uh, down the pike. I think we previewed a lot of stuff that can get people talking, and then, you know... We'll go from there. We got a we got a bunch of stuff, and then of course the Oscars uh, is coming up at the end of the month, so we can chat about that as well. So 
a lot of good stuff there, Shane. I hope uh, you got a little more pumped when I sent this for you, that maybe there's some optimism, some light at the end of the tunnel. I, I, I do. I'm going to get a South Korea flag for my room. That's what I'm taking. <laughs> I'm taking it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Excellent stuff by you. Thank you for, for going on the journey with me. Um, everybody, check Media Mosh out. Apple Podcasts is the place to get it, correct, Shane? Correct. You are absolutely right, and it's been it's always a pleasure. I always look forward to this. the best night I'm going to have all week to be <laughs> on your show. Go hug your kids. Do something better than talking about Netflix movies with me for an hour, but I appreciate you taking the time, and we'll, we'll have you on real soon, man. Sounds good. Thank you very much.